John chapter 3, verse number 27. The Bible says there, it says, John answered and said, A man can receive nothing except to be given him from heaven. Ye yourselves bear me witness that I said I am not the Christ, but I am sent before him. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom, which standeth and heareth him, rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This my joy, therefore, is fulfilled. He must increase, but I must decrease. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for these guys being here. Lord, it's a precious opportunity that we have to be here, to be in your house, Lord, to talk about you, and God, to focus in our attention on you and what you have for us in our lives, Lord. I pray you'd help each guy to listen, to pay attention. And God, I pray you'd please give me the help that I need. God, I cannot help these guys, but I know that you can. I pray you would work through me. I pray you give me the right words, the right thoughts, the right spirit. God, that this would be a blessing and a help. And God, that you would hit the needs right where they are. And God, that you would make us more like you. God, that's what we need. God, your word is filled with treasures, Lord. I pray you would just open those up to us, to our understanding. Help us to see them, to appreciate them. God, help our lives to reflect the difference that they should make in our lives. God, please help us. Make us more like you. Lord, help us to love you more as a result of this. God, that's what we need. And God, if anybody doesn't know you as Savior, I pray to today would be their day of salvation. Lord, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for these guys. Lord, please take control of this time that we have and help it to be a, a help and a blessing and encouragement to each young man. You know what they're going through, but God, we... We know that you have the answers, Lord. Thank you. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can be seated. Thank you for standing. Out of the darkness, guys, came a light. Out of the silence came a voice. Say, what are you talking about? I'm talking about the ministry of a man called John the Baptist in the Bible. He's a very unique figure for a lot of reasons, guys. For one, which I already alluded to, guys... Uh, we dealt with it a little while ago in the sword drills. Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament. Guys, there was, after Malachi, after that book that God had given to his people, there was 400 years of silence. You know what that means? No books of the Bible were written, but even more so, no prophets that God raised up to thunder forth his message to the nation. Nothing. Quiet. Silent. Nothing. Can you imagine that? I can't. That would be unbelievable. That would be hard to deal with. So out of the silence came this voice, and out of the darkness came this light, and it's in the figure of John the Baptist. He broke that silence. God used him after those 400 years of silence where the children of Israel would say, was there a word from God today? Nothing. Is there a word from God today? Silence. Nothing. Finally, the silence was broken, and it was broken by the preaching of John the Baptist. Guys, we say that he had a unique ministry because he broke the silence of 400 years after the Old Testament was written. Guys, also, he was very unique because he had some strange behavior. <laughs> John the Baptist, if you read about him, there's some really weird things about this dude. He was a wild man out of the wilderness. He's a rugged and tough guy that came from a mountainous region. Guys, do you know what he ate? He ate locust and wild honey. I can do the honey, not the locust. You say, what are locusts? Looking those up, they're um, a form of grasshopper. I don't want to eat that, all right? I don't want to eat that. I want to kill them. You know, when they come, that's it. Done. I don't want to eat those things. That's what he ate. <laughs> so his diet was locust and wild honey. It talks about his clothing was of camel's hair and a leather girdle or belt that he wore. So this guy was a little different. He broke the silence. He had some strange behavior. But you know what he's best known for? His strong preaching. 
Guys, when he came out preaching, he came out strong. He came out hitting it hard. Guys, he was bold. He was fearless. He didn't care who he was talking to. He was going to tell them the truth of God no matter what. Some of the religious leaders of that day show up to his preaching. When he first gets out there, he's preaching. He's, he's, he's calling the nation to repentance. Huge crowds of people come. You can read about this in, I believe, it's John or Matthew chapter 3. Huge crowds are coming from Jerusalem, Judea. They're coming out to hear, who is this wild man? Who is this guy out of the wilderness? Who is this man out of the mountains that's preaching it hard, that's cutting it straight, that's going directly at it, that's hitting it at, it, at our heart? Who is this guy? He's bold. He's fearless. And you know what his message centered on? Repentance. You know what repentance is? Turning away from sin. Turning to God. He was the forerunner of Christ, which we'll get into later and explain. He was the one that prepared the way of the Lord. You know what he went to Israel saying? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You know what he's saying? The king is coming. And you better get your life right. You know what his... Guys, when we witness to people about getting saved, it basically boils down into two parts. Repentance and faith, right? Turn away from your sins and turn to Christ as the only way to heaven. Guys, when John the Baptist showed up preaching to these people, he was telling them to repent, to turn away from their sins. And then he was pointing to the, the Lamb of God, Jesus, who would come and die on the cross soon thereafter. So you see both sides of it, the repentance, turning from their sin, and then he was pointing to Christ, the faith that we need to have in trusting in Jesus as our Savior. So his strong preaching, he's bold, he's fearless, he's calling the people to repent. Guys, as I said, he called out the religious leaders. They showed up amongst that huge crowd, Kevin, probably out of curiosity, probably like, who is this guy? Who is this wild man? When they showed up, he called them a, a, a um, den of vipers. He called them snakes. That's not usually how you welcome people into your preaching. Right? He didn't care. He was calling them out. Yeah. He's saying you have wicked hearts and you need to repent of those things. And guys, not only repentance, but as I said, he was pointing people to the Messiah, pointing people to Jesus. Guys, I was reading about this last night. I thought it was very interesting. All throughout the Old Testament, right, you have prophecies. Those are predictions. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them, guys, they're from hundreds of years beforehand. We talk about Isaiah. Back in the Old Testament, that's 700 years before Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Mm. But he said that one day a, 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 a child would be born and a son would be given and the government would be upon his shoulder. He would be wonderful counselor. All those prophecies that he would be led as a lamb to the slaughter. All those things come out of Isaiah 700 years before Jesus was born. So all these prophets kept, uh, from, from years and decades and even centuries before Kevin, they're saying one day... One day the Messiah is going to come. One day that coming deliverer will come. One day he'll show up. He'll come. He'll deliver us from our sins. But guys, this was far out in the distance. They didn't see the fulfillment in their life. Hey, Isaiah preached that and then he died without seeing the fulfillment of it. Jeremiah preached those things, but he would die before he would see the fulfillment of it. Ezekiel, and you can go all through these prophets of the Old Testament. They would preach that Aiden, one day, one day the Messiah was going to come. But they died before they would see the fulfillment of it. Hey, guys, isn't it cool that John the Baptist said, hey, there's one coming after me who's preferred before me. He said, whose shoe latchet I'm not worthy to unloose. But, guys, right. this wasn't far off. This wasn't hundreds of years later. This wasn't way out in the distance. This wasn't way out in the future. This wasn't obscure. This wasn't murky and, 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 and mysterious. This wasn't cloudy. This wasn't something that was confusing. Guys, when he preached about the Messiah that would come, he could point to him. He could say, he's not way off in the distance. 
distance. This is not way out in the future. He's right in front of you. It's Jesus. It's Jesus Christ. He's the Messiah. He's the one that came to save us from our sins. Does that not excite you? That not just from hundreds of years away or way back in time or way back in history, but he's saying he's right there. He's the Lamb of God that will take away the sin of the world. Guys, he got to point him out. Those that would point him out from hundreds of years before him. John the Baptist got to, got to say he's right there. Wow. wow. Those that would, from centuries beforehand, say one day this Messiah is going to come and he's going to be a king. One day he's going to come and he's going to suffer. And all the different prophecies we talk about, he would be born in Bethlehem, he would be forsaken by his friends, all those things. And John gets to say, that's him right there. Wow. He got to point him out. He got to see him right in front of his Face. Guys, what used to be cloudy was now clear. What used to be obscure is now obvious. He's saying he's right there. What used to be way out in the future is now right in front of him. He's saying, behold the Lamb of God. Now, you say, Brother Tom, you taught me some about John the Baptist. Got some weird points. Got some very strong points to him. How could we possibly have anything in common with this guy? This guy lived out in the wilderness. I don't do that. This, had, this guy had weird clothes. I try not to do that. This guy ate weird food. I definitely try not to do that, right? <clears throat> like some of that stuff we were hearing in the van today, Kevin. That's weird. <laughs> Little kids playing around. Listen, what could we possibly have in common? Guys, from verse 22 through the end of this chapter in chapter 3, it's basically focused on John the Baptist. I was reading this recently, and then I got diving into it, studying it, it's amazing to me, George, when you get into this. You know what the thought uh, that hit me was? Nothing has changed. We do the same thing that he did. Guys, we do the same thing that he did. And I hope as we go through this, it'll make sense to you. But we do the same stuff. Guys, you know what we do as Christians? We try to live right. We try to live different than the world with the Lord's help. But we try to tell people about the Lord. You know what the response is? You know what the response is? It boils down to two things. A lot of people don't want to hear it. Some people do. That's it. Some people reject it. It seems like a lot of people sometimes. And then some people receive it. That's it. Can I tell you, John dealt with the same thing. You know, his message was lifting up Jesus. His message was presenting Christ clearly and unmistakably right in, right in the face of people. We do the same thing. And guys, can I tell you, those people, whether they reject or whether they receive, they're going to have to face the consequences for that decision. Whether negative or positive. And guys, can I tell you, that's the same thing we deal with. So yeah, John was different. John lived in a different place. And he wore different clothes. And he ate some really freaky food. And he did some different things. And he was bold and he was fierce. And he would call out the, the religious leaders for their sin. And he would call out Herod for his fornication and adultery. He didn't care who it was. He would stick his finger in their face and call them out. But guys, can I tell you, we're, we do the same thing. Here's the message today. Nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. Point number one, let's dive in. If we want to have nothing changed as far as the way we approach things to the way John the Baptist did, first of all, what we need is this, a proper placement, a proper placement. We're going to get down to verse 30 here in a minute. That's kind of be the climax of this. <clears throat> but to set that up, let's just start here. In verse 22, all right? And we'll kind of get the flow and get a running start here. After these things came Jesus, his disciples, into the land of Judea. So he's in a different region now. There he tarried with them and baptized. 
The next chapter tells us that Jesus himself did not baptize, but he had his disciples baptizing people. Verse number 23, And John also was baptizing in Anon near to Salem, because there was much water there, and they came and were baptized. John was not yet cast into prison. Then there arose a question between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purifying. They came unto John and said unto him, Rabbi, he that was with thee beyond Jordan, to whom thou bearest witness, behold, the same baptizes, and all men come to him. 26 is key, guys. Here's what's going on. Jesus is in a certain region baptizing. I believe not too far away from there, John is also baptizing. You remember I said at the beginning of John's ministry, what was the reaction? Huge crowds of people. Big multitudes would come, would listen to him. As I said, maybe they're just intrigued. Maybe they're just curious. Maybe they're just like, dude, this guy is different. He's out of nowhere. I've never heard anything like this before. I don't know what their reasons were. But huge crowds would come and hear him preach. Can I tell you guys, now those crowds are starting to diminish. Those huge groups of people that used to come are not so huge anymore. And verse 26 kind of uh, hones in on that and alludes to it very strongly. So some of John's disciples, those followers of him, they had a question, but it kind of veers off into the real issue. They come unto John, said unto him, verse 26, Rabbi, he that was with thee beyond Jordan, to whom thou bearest witness, he's re they are referring to Jesus. Okay, Jesus was the one that was with John beyond Jordan. John baptized him, right? And then he's the one that he referred to. He's the Lamb of God. That's what they're uh, referencing here. But notice what they say at the end. Behold, the same baptizes. So they're saying, you remember that guy that you said he's the one, he's the Messiah? Now he's baptizing? And notice the last phrase of 26. And all men come to him. You know what they're saying? He's stealing our business. <laughs> I mean, everybody's going to him now. And guys, there's a little bit, I feel like, in these guys' hearts of, I mean, what's happening to us? Our role is being diminished. Things seem to be slipping away here. Everybody's leaving, is what they're saying. I mean, you remember those huge crowds that used to come here you preach? John, I don't know if you've checked recently. I know you get on your preaching storms, but... Not a lot of people out there anymore. They're not listening. And not many people are being baptized by you anymore. It seems like everybody's going to Jesus' group. Everybody's getting baptized by him and his disciples. Everybody's leaving. Everybody's heading that direction. And these guys, you can kind of sense it in them. They're kind of like, this is not good. John, you need to stand up for yourself. John, we need to do something about this. Let's do a campaign. Let's get the loudspeakers out. Come here, John the Baptist, preach tonight at 7. You know, let's do something. He says, no, no, nothing like that. They perceive a diminishing. But guys, he answers back in verses 27 through 30. Whew, a lot of wisdom here. Verse number 27, John answered and said, a man can receive nothing except to be given him from heaven. First of all, guys, he understood the plan of God. Yeah. He understood the plan of God. You know what he's saying? God had me here for a certain time. God gave me a position and a pedestal and some prestige for a certain amount of time. Yep. And God gave me that. God gave me that to use it for him. But you know what he's saying? If that is starting to diminish, if that is starting to subside, if that is starting to move off the scene, you know who's in charge of that? God. God has given me my, my opportunity, my ministry. And if God chooses to have that subside a little bit, then that's God's business. And if God is blessing Jesus' ministry, God is doing that. 
He understands that God is in control, that God is sovereign. He understands that it's the plan of God. He said a man can't receive nothing except to be given him from heaven. And guys, sometimes, listen, sometimes those that are trying to live right and do ministry in the right way, let's stop being jealous and say, man, why do they have a big church? Why do they have a big ministry? Blah, blah, blah. God is in control of that. You know what my job is? To work hard, to live right, to do everything I can, and let God bless it. But Kevin, if it's a huge ministry or a tiny ministry, that's in God's hands. Now, that's no excuse to be lazy. That's no excuse to be hanging out on your couch when you should be visiting and praying and studying. But if you're doing the work that you need to do, guys, the results are in God's hands. That's what John's saying. That's a lot of wisdom there. Because if not, we'll start comparing ourselves. Man, God's blessing Webb. He's blessing Tim. He's blessing Kevin. Lord, what about me? Hey, guys, you just live right. God sees you. God knows what's going on. And let him take care of those things. The plan of God. He understood that. Verse number 28, he understood that his job was to prepare the way for Christ. Verse 28, ye yourselves bear me witness that I said I am not the Christ, but I am sent before him. What was John's job? He was the forerunner of Christ. He was that voice of one crying in the wilderness. By the way, that was prophesied that a man would be the forerunner for Christ back in Isaiah chapter 40. Again, 700 years before this time. Said that there would be a voice of one crying in the wilderness. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. Hey, John was that voice crying out of the wilderness. John was that voice saying, prepare. The king is coming. The king is coming. Are you ready? That was John's message. He's saying, I understand my role. Hey, guys, you know what? As Christians and as Christian young men, we need to understand our role that God has given to us. Listen, sometimes that role will not be in the prominence. Sometimes that role will not be in the spotlight. Sometimes that role will not have all the applause and it won't have all the eyes on us and it won't have everybody hanging on every word that we say. But, guys, can I tell you, if you're serving God, it's still important. Even if nobody sees, even if nobody hears you speak. Guys, even if it's not a huge uh, crowd, it doesn't create a lot of buzz, even if it's not uh, getting all the likes on social media, if you're doing what God wants you to do, it's important. I think we need to get back to that mindset. John had the right mindset. He's saying, I'm here to prepare the way for Christ. And then he gives an analogy, an illustration, a picture. In verse number 29, he says, He that hath the bride is the bridegroom. But the friend of the bridegroom, which standeth and heareth him, Rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This my joy therefore is fulfilled. He's saying basically I'm the best man at the wedding. My job is not to get married. My job is to prepare everything I can so that when uh, the, the groom comes, everything's all set for the, for the wedding to continue on and to, um, to happen as it should. He's saying that's my job. I understand my role. <laughs> Verse number 29, the beginning of it, says, He that hath the bride is the bridegroom. You know what that's saying, guys? You know who the uh, groom at a marriage is? The one that got the girl. You say, is that what it's saying? That's what it's saying. Check out the interpretation of that verse. That's what it's saying. He's saying, He that hath the bride is the bridegroom. He's saying, Jesus is the main attraction. Jesus is the main one here. I'm just setting things up for him. He says, I'm the friend of the bridegroom. We could say, like, the best man at a wedding, which standeth and heareth him. He's saying, I rejoice greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This my joy, therefore, is fulfilled. Hey, guys, 
The job of a best man at the wedding is not to steal the show. Yeah. The job of the best man at the wedding is to, is to help, the bro help the groom and everything get set and help him in any way possible. That's his job. His job is not to steal when, when, the, when the groom and bride are taking their pictures. It's not to photobomb them. That's not his job. His job is not to steal the show. His job certainly isn't to steal the woman. Better get rid of a best man like that. That sounds like the worst man to me. All right. <laughs> Listen. That's not his job. His job is to be the second man. His job is to be off on the side. But you know what it is? It's to work behind the scenes. It's to help that groom out. It's to make sure the rings don't get lost and all those other little jobs. It's not huge. It's not attention getting. But it's important, John says, that's my job. Mm -hmm. I'm the friend of the bridegroom. And he says, guys, at the end of verse 29, this my joy, therefore, is fulfilled. He's saying, now get, here's the whole context of this. His disciples are like, John, this is messed up. You're still preaching it, right? You're still doing everything that you have done in the past. It used to be popular. It used to be great. Everything used to be flowing along just fine. We were getting huge crowds. Everybody knew about us. John, that's not happening anymore. It's not what it used to be. Everybody's leaving. They don't really care about your preaching anymore. You know what he says? Hey, this is the plan of God. If God gave me a big ministry for, for a time, bless God for that. Praise God for that. If God has taken that away from me for this time, praise God for that. Wow. He understood the plan of God. He understood that he just was preparing the way for Christ. And then he gives this analogy about the, the friend of the, of the groom. And guys, at the end of the verse, you know what he's saying? I take pleasure in this. Guys, get this, get this, get this. He's saying, if my ministry is going down, but Jesus' ministry is going up, he says, I joy in that. Mm -hmm. Hey, guys, again, that best man at the wedding, guys, you know what? He's, his joy should be to see, the, to see the happiness and the joy in the groom's face and say, all that work was worth it. Mm -hmm. Again, his job is not to steal the show. His job is not to, to, to steal the spotlight. His job is to help the groom in any way possible. Yeah. And guys, when that wedding goes off without a hitch and when everything works out great and when the, when the rings are where they're supposed to be and the vows are said and everything uh, works out fine and they're pronounced husband and wife and it's all over, that best man should say, I'm happy for him, man. And I had a small part of working some things behind the scenes. You know what John's saying? When I hear that Jesus' ministry is increasing, man, that, that makes me happy. That gives me joy. I take pleasure in that. Hey, guys, let's hit it down where we are real quick. Do we take joy and pleasure when people get saved in the church, even if we didn't have anything to do with it? Hey, we should be involved. We should be trying. We should be witnessing to people. But, guys... Do we only get happy when it's somebody that we led to the Lord? Or how about when someone else leads somebody to the Lord? Good. He's saying, this my joy, therefore, is fulfilled. He's saying, I may not have the spotlight, but if Jesus does, I'm happy. Hey, guys, if everybody doesn't know your name, who cares? But if they know Jesus' name, that's what it's all about. Right. Hey, guys, in Christianity, we got the wrong idea. It's like every young man and, and sometimes the young women, it's like we're trying to be the next Christian star. Guys, we don't have any Christian star except one, Jesus. We don't need any other ones. Yeah. We don't need you to steal a spotlight. We don't need you to be the next superstar of Christianity, the next, the next prodigy, the next, the next pioneer in this area or that area. Guys. We just need to lift up Jesus. Yeah. It's all about him. And he says, this my joy, therefore, is fulfilled. When God's doing a work in other people, do you rejoice or you say, man, this never happens for me. We can all get there, guys. I'm not slapping you around. 
I've had these feelings before. We get jealous sometimes, but you know what we need to say? You know what, God? If you're being lifted up, if people are getting saved, if people are changing, I'm happy about that. He says, my joy, guys, my ministry is going downhill, but I'm joyous. Why? Because people are going to hear Jesus. They're getting saved by him. They're changing because of him. He's coming into their lives and and revolutionizing their life. He's saying, I take joy in that. Guys, do you take joy in that? Sometimes, hey, we can all do this, but sometimes, again, if we're not the ones involved, if we're not the star of the story, then we're not really plugged in. Hmm. Wow. You know, if we don't stand up and say, yes, pastor, I led three to the Lord this week, and I believe it was my master presentation of the gospel. That it, no, it wasn't. Yeah. No, it wasn't. But, guys, sometimes we can take uh, quite a bit of, of um, emphasis on that, but if we don't watch it, if somebody else... On the other side of the room, raise, raises their hand and say, yeah, I led someone to the Lord. We just think, yeah, yeah. Let's not be like that. Hey, guys, each person is important. Mm-hmm. And if God's doing a work through people here in this church, we should rejoice in that. Why? Because yeah. God's getting glory. Because people right. are getting saved. Because he's changing lives. That's what it's all about. Hey, guys, here's the whole bottom line of it. Hopefully God blesses all of us and he uses us and, and helps us in our ministries. But if you never have a big ministry, are you going to be happy when Jesus is changing people? Hmm. Even if you're not involved in it? Yeah. Hey, we should. We yeah. should be. We should be. God help us all. Sometimes we're like, man, yeah, I'm not a, a part of it. Well, we need to try. Yeah. We need to be out there. We need to be doing what we can. But if God uses somebody else, we should rejoice in that. Yep. Mm-hmm. He says, this my joy, therefore, is fulfilled. And he's saying, Verse number 30, he, talking about Jesus, must increase, but I must, in, must decrease. He's saying Jesus is taking the prominence. And you know what he's saying? That's what it's all about anyway. Mm-hmm. Hey, guys, what is it? What is it? What is it? Do you want to be the star or you want Jesus to be the star? Mm-hmm. Do you want him to know your name or do you want him to know Jesus' name? Mm-hmm. Do you want him to remember you forever and have that memory or do you want, him, want Jesus to impact their lives forever? He's saying, we need Jesus to increase. Guys, you know what we need in this class? We need Jesus to increase and me to decrease. Mm -hmm. You know what we need in our church? We need Jesus to increase and us to decrease. What is that saying? That's saying we want Jesus to take prominence and we step back. We want him, we want people to talk about him and for them not to mention us. We want them for, for them to see him and for us to be hidden. That's what he's saying. He's saying, guys, you're worried about my ministry being diminished? Guys, this is the plan of God. I'm just to prepare the way for him. I'm just the, the best man at the wedding. I'm just to set up everything up for the main attraction. And when he takes prominence and when he takes precedence, praise God, because it's all about him anyway. Yeah. Yep. The proper placement. Hey, guys, if we want God to use us, we better make sure we're humble. That's what I think this whole section is centered on. We better make sure we're humble. Hey, guys, you want God to use you? Be humble. Mm-hmm. This man is humble. Kevin, can you imagine this man that probably preached to thousands, probably thousands got saved, baptized scores of people, had a huge ministry. Guys, 2,000 years ago, we're t- later, we're still talking about John the Baptist. Wow. I mean, how would you like people to call you that? He's the Baptist. Like, that's pretty awesome, right? He's the man. But you know what they're saying? John, your ministry ain't what it used to be. I think you lost a step. You're preaching, you know, maybe came down a notch. He's saying, no, guys, it's nothing like that. Jesus is taking prominence, and I'm stepping back. And he's okay with that. Again, guys, this doesn't mean he doesn't care. This doesn't mean he's lazy or he's not trying. 
Chris, it just means that he's saying, you know what? I'm okay with Jesus taking the prominence because that's what I want anyway. Mm-hmm. Hey, guys, do you want people to think you preached a good sermon or do you want Jesus to impact lives? Mm-hmm. Do you it's want good. people to be impressed by your talent or do you want Jesus to touch hearts? Mm-hmm. God help us. Because we can all struggle with that from time to time. And guys, when I preach, do I want people to think I did a good job? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But you know what's far more important than that? I want Jesus to use this because it's not about me. There's nothing I can say that can change your life. But if Jesus touches your heart, he can change you forever. Yeah. I can't do that. The proper placement. Hey, guys, you know what the Bible says? Humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift us up. James 4.10. 1 Peter 5.6. Humble our sand. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. You know what it's saying? If you put yourself down, Jesus will lift you up. Mm-hmm. But, guys, on the contrary of that, if you try to raise yourself up, God will put you down. Yeah. You don't want that. Right. The proper placement, do you have that in your life? If we want to be used in our lives like John the Baptist was, there needs to be that proper placement. Do you have that humility in your life? Hey, guys, if you're not the star attraction, are you okay with that? If you don't get the applause in church, are you okay with that? If you're not the main man that was the, 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 the main contributor and the main factor to the success of a certain ministry, are you okay with that? I've struggled with that at times. But you know what? It's all about Jesus. It's not about me. It's not about pastor. It's not about who sang. It's not about who did the special. It's not about who did the five minute. Guys, it's not about all that. When people leave church, we want them to remember Jesus. We want him to impact their lives. That's what it's got to be about. The proper placement. Point number two. He continues on the rest of this chapter. And secondly, he says he talks about the perception of his person, and he's talking about Jesus. That's who I'm referring to. He's saying, let me teach you about who this Jesus is. This one that's kind of taking the spotlight. This one that's kind of rising to prominence. This one that must increase and I must decrease. Who is Jesus anyway? He says, let me tell you about him. First of all, guys, Jesus' home is from above. Verse number 31. I'll pick up the pace, so please stay with me. We're almost done. He says, he that cometh from above is above all. He's referring to Jesus, guys. You know what he's saying? Jesus is not from here. He's not from earth. Yes, he came down to earth, born in Bethlehem, lived 33 years, but he is from heaven. He says, he that is from above. Jesus came from heaven. You know why? He's God. He's saying he came from above. So his home is from above. That's where he's from. That's his source. And then he has the highest authority. Verse number 31 as well. He says, he that cometh from above is above all. He that is of the earth is earthly and speaketh of the earth. He that cometh from heaven is above all. He's contrasting himself and Jesus. He's saying, listen, I'm from the earth and I speak about the earth. This is all I know. This is what I'm all about. But he says, he that is from above Jesus, he says he is above all. And he says that two times in the verse. Guys, what is that saying? When when he says about Jesus, he is above all. You know what that's talking about? He has the highest authority. Mm -hmm. He has the highest authority. He's above all. At the end of verse 35, it says, and hath given all things into his hand. You know what it's saying? Jesus has all power, all control, all capability. Guys, that's who he is. And the Bible says about Jesus in Philippians, listen up, guys. It says that God has exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. Hey, guys, can I remind you? You get to call on on the name that is above every name when you pray. Mm -hmm. That's who we get to talk to. Ethan, a lot of times when we need to accomplish something in the world, you talk to somebody, but they can't do anything, so you got to go to their boss and find out, and then you get transferred over here, and then they need to refer to somebody else. 
And it is confusing and it makes no sense and you make no progress. Guys, can I tell you, when we talk to God, we don't need to, there's, he doesn't, when we talk to Jesus, he doesn't have a boss. There's nobody above him. There's nobody that he has to kick, uh, kick this, uh, 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 this call up to. Guys, he is on top. He's above all. There's nobody above him. When you pray to him, you're talking to the one on top. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. The highest authority. And his heavenly announcement. This is the message that Jesus gave. Verse number 32. What he hath seen and heard, that he testifies. And no man receiveth his testimony. Verse number 33. He that hath received his testimony has set to his seal that God is true. He gave this heavenly announcement. Here's what he's saying. Jesus is from heaven. Jesus has all power and all authority. He's above all. And when Jesus came to this earth, guys, he preached what no one else did. You know why? Because he came from heaven. And he knows the end from the beginning. He has all knowledge. And what he has seen and heard, that he testifies. He's told us that there's a heaven and that there's a hell. And that the only way to miss hell is by trusting in him. Mm -hmm. He's saying that's the message that he gave. John 3, 16, God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Mm -hmm. That's the message that Jesus gave, that heavenly announcement. But you know what? Man has these two alternatives. Verse number 32 at the end. Notice when John says, this is where it hit me that, you know what? Nothing has changed. We all face this same thing today. All right, so Jesus preaches, right? He preaches the gospel to them. What is people's reaction to him? Verse 32 at the end. And no man receiveth his testimony. Huh. Huh. Doesn't that sound like sometimes we knock on doors and we don't want any. Yep. No man receiveth his testimony. Can I give you this track from my church? I don't have time for that. I'm not interested. That's what it sounds like to me. <laughs> hey, guys, nothing has changed. We, we, the same thing happens to us. And you, they have these alternatives. Some people reject, but verse number 33, some people receive it. Some people get saved. He that hath received his testimony hath set to his seal that God is true. What that means is, guys, when people receive the Lord, you know what they have to do? They have to admit that God is right and I'm wrong. At the end of the verse, when it's saying, has set to his seal that God is true, that's what it's talking about. You have to admit that God is right. Guys, you have to admit that you are a sinner. That's not easy to admit. You have to admit that we deserve punishment for our sins in a place called hell. That's not easy to admit. You have to admit that we can do nothing in and of ourselves to save us. Yeah. That's not easy to admit. That is a lot of pride that we have to swallow. But you know what? That's what you have to do if you accept the Lord. You have to realize that he's right and I'm wrong. It reminds me of Isaiah 118. Jesus, uh, God says, come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. You know what he's saying? Come, let's reason. Let's reason that God is right and we're wrong. And then he can forgive your sins and wash them away. Man has these two alternatives and it's the same thing that we have today. Jesus, at the end of verse 34, uh, it talks about he speaks the words of God. We hit that already. For God giveth not the Spirit by measure unto him. Guys, he had the full anointing of the Holy Spirit the whole time that he was here on earth, especially during his earthly ministry. He didn't get part of the Spirit uh, or, or some halfway measure. He got the full thing. And it says at the verse 35, The Father loveth the Son and hath given all things into his hand. There was holy affection. Hey, guys, you know what he's saying? All right, so this message is nothing has changed. First of all, we need to have a proper placement. You know what that placement is? Humble. 
You know what that placement is? We lower ourselves. You know what that placement is? Hey, if Jesus is getting the spotlight and I'm off in the corner, praise God. He must increase and I must decrease. Hey, guys, you want God to use you? You be humble. God, help us with all of that. All, help all of us with that because we struggle with that. Sometimes we want to be the star of the service. Sometimes we want to be the star of the conference. It's not about that. It's about lifting Jesus up, not us. Hey, you know what he's saying? He must increase and I must decrease. He's saying, lift Jesus up and put me down. Yep. Whew. That's tough to swallow. John says, no, that's what it's all about. Let's have a proper placement. Number two, let's preach about Jesus. You say, what about him? That he came from heaven, that he has the highest authority, that there's nobody above him, that he spoke clearly the gospel to people, but they have two alternatives. Some people reject it. No man receives his testimony. Some people, they believe it by admitting that God is right and they're wrong. And he has the full Holy Spirit, uh, the full effect of the Holy Spirit on him. And God loves him and has given all things into his hand. Hey, guys, let's preach to people about Jesus. You know how you can lift him up and put yourself down? Let's talk more about him than we right. do about us. Yep. And then point number three and last, the personal pick. Hey, guys, this is the same stuff we deal with. Again, the message is nothing has changed. We need to humble ourselves so that God can use us. Number two, we need to preach about Jesus, that he came from heaven, that he preaches the message from God, and some people reject it and some people receive it. And then he has all power. Verse number 36. Great verse, guys. John is still speaking here. John the Baptist. And there's a personal pick that must be done. I'll fly through this. But guys, the whole gospel is in verse 36, in my opinion. It's amazing. It's amazing. Again, guys, time out. Look up here. This dude is out of the wilderness, right? This dude's got crazy clothes on. This dude looks wild and out of control. This dude eats weird stuff. But he came out preaching it hard. And you know what, guys? the same message we preach today it hasn't changed mm -hmm. but this is 2024 we're in a technologically advanced society this crazy man out of the wilderness was preaching the same stuff that we are yeah yep. we preach the same that he did verse number 36 check this out amazing verse and this applies to everyone in the room he that believeth on the son hath everlasting life there's enough to preach on right there for a while, but I'll continue on. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. A personal pick. Everyone must make this choice for themselves. Yeah. Yep. Verse number 36. Here's a couple ideas from it. It's individual. Guys, it's individual. What's the first word of the verse? Verse number 36. He. he singular, right? And then it says, he that, hath, uh, he that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not. Guys, People do not get saved in groups. It says he that believeth and he that believeth not. It's individual. Guys, it's not they. It's listen, listen. It does not come, it does not matter what family you come from. You, your, your family may have gone to church for generations. That doesn't make you saved. Hello? That does not make you say, man, my, my dad was a preacher, my granddad was a preacher, my great, 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 great. Forget all that. You must accept Jesus for yourself. Right. It's not passed, it's, it's not inherited. It's not passed down. Listen, you may get a good inheritance from your parents someday. Some of you may get nothing, all right? Just being honest with you. All right. But listen, you may get an inheritance. You may get a nice car, you may get a house, you may get property, you may get an estate, but they cannot give you salvation. They can influence you, but you have to accept it for yourself. Yeah. Yep. It's individual. And it doesn't matter what church you come from. Oh, bro, we knock on some people's door. Knock on. Do you know for sure you're going to heaven? Bro, I go to that big church. 
You know, y'all go to that tiny church. I go to that humongous. That's where I go. So what? You can go to the biggest church in this country that doesn't make you saved. Mm -hmm. right. You can hear the greatest preaching in the world that doesn't make you saved. You have to accept it for yourself. Yeah. Right. So it's an individual thing. Mm -hmm. And guys, what is the means of getting saved? What I mean by that is, what do you have to do? Well, how, do I, how do I get that? Do I have to do some amazing achievement? Here's the verse. He that believeth. You got to believe on him. It's faith, guys. It's faith. Listen, guys. If it was, Jaden, any other way that you had to be saved, then not everybody would qualify. Kevin, could you imagine if you had to do some amazing athletic exploit? Only a few people in the world would be able to do that. You have to jump this, this far. You have to run this fast. You know, for some of us, you have to do this math equation. You're like, I'm done. I'll, I'll never make it to heaven. You know, I give up now. Hey, guys, if there were anything that we had to do to get to heaven, then there would be some people that could not do it. Yeah. Right. But guys, faith, believing, anybody can do that. Yep. Anybody can do that. The crippled person can do that. The person that has no money can do that. The person that comes from the roughest area can do that. Right. Guys, also the other end of the spectrum is true as well. Guys, isn't that amazing how God set it up? The means, listen, it's individual. you got to make this decision for yourself. Nobody can do it for you. But the means is faith, believing. And then what does the rest of the verse say? And he that believeth not. That's the one that suffers the wrath of God. Mm -hmm. It's about belief. Guys, if you go to hell one day, which I pray that you, you don't, it'll be because you did not believe in Jesus for yourself. And if you go to heaven one day, it'll be because, you, be because one day you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ for yourself. Mm -hmm. That's the means. Believeth, believeth not. And what's the object? Who do we believe? Do we believe in the church? Do we believe in every word that pastor says? Do we believe that this place, this environment holds salvation? No. Do we believe that this place over there, the baptistry, that that contains that holy water? It ain't holy. Sorry. It's not. Can't do anything for you except make you wet. That's it. Right. What is the object of our faith? He that believeth on the Son. Guys, not on the preacher, not on the church. Not on the missionary, on the Son, on the Son of God, on Jesus Christ. That's who you have to believe in. And that's, that's what it all centers on. It's direct. He's the focal point. Guys, this is simple stuff. It's individual. The means is by faith, believing or believing not. And it's on the Son. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life. So simple. You have to believe in Jesus. It's direct. And guys, if you do... Couple more details I want to throw at you with this verse, and then I'll be done. What does the Bible say? He that believeth on the Son hath, hath everlasting life. Why is that word hath significant? Anybody know? It's for sure. It's for sure, and it's present tense. You have it now. You have it right now. Guys, if you believed in Jesus Christ, if you put your faith and trust in Him, you have it right now. It's not, guys, the Catholic Church says one day when you die, you'll find out. Guys, if you're finding out when you die, you're not going to find out good news. You, if you have eternal life, if you believe on the Son, then you have eternal life right now. Yeah. Right now. Yep. It's a present possession. Mm -hmm. You have it right now. In 1 John 3, 2, it says, Behold, uh, beloved, now are we the sons of God. You have it now. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that, a, isn't that a comfort? Isn't that a joy that you can have it now? Guys, you can know for sure now that you have eternal life, yeah. that you'll go to heaven one day. You can have that now. 
man, one day if I do really, 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 really good, man, hopefully one day I'll know. No, you can have it right now, today. Not because of anything you do or I do or anything that I say, but because of what God says in his word. You can have eternal life right now. That's amazing. Again, it's individual. Again, it's the means is faith. Again, the object is on the sun. And you can have that present possession. And guys, your choice about the sun determines your destination. Last detail I'll throw, throw you in the verse. The man that believes on the sun, verse 36, at the beginning, hath what? Everlasting life. That's living forever with God in heaven. Right? And then the end of the verse. But he that believeth not shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Guys, there's, there's two choices. Either you believe in the Son or you believe not. And you can have eternal life. There's one destination. The other destination is the wrath of God. And guys, what that's talking about is hell, for one. But it's also saying that if you reject Christ, listen, that if you reject Christ, God's already angry with you now. That's what the verse says very clearly. The wrath of God abideth on him. Yes. You know what that means? I could be one heartbeat away from hell. Yeah. And Brother Tut, God is already angry with me because I have rejected his son. Mm -hmm. I may be healthy. I may be living. I may be living the life, living in luxury. But the wrath of God is hovering over me. Mm. And guys, any moment in time, it could be from a car wreck. It could be a million different other ways. My life could be snuffed out. And then... Not only do I have the wrath of God hovering over me, it'll envelop me for all eternity in a place called hell forever and ever and ever. Guys, how clear can it be? You know what I read, though? John was a different kind of guy. Weird clothing, weird food, came out of nowhere, preaching it strong, didn't care who he was calling out. And we think, man, this guy's so distant. That's, so, that's such a foreign concept. That's so weird. It doesn't relate to us at all. No, it does. You know why? Because he had a proper placement. He understood that Jesus needs to increase and he needs to decrease. You know what, guys? We need to understand the same thing for us today. Right. If we want God to use us, let's let Jesus take the spotlight and let us be off in the shadows. Because yep. it's not about us. It's about him. Let's perceive his person. Let's know who Jesus is. Let's tell people about it. That's what John did. He said, hey, he's from heaven. He has all power, all authority. He's told you the gospel. Some will hear, some will not. But he is the real deal. And then... What does he do? He provides this personal pick for people. He's saying, hey, you want heaven? It's your choice. It's individual. The means is faith. The object is on the sun. You can have that present possession now. Have eternal life. And either if you accept Jesus, your destination is eternal life. If you reject Jesus, your destination is the wrath of God. And by the way, that wrath is already hovering over you. Hey, guys, nothing has changed. Yep. You may not wear the crazy clothes John did. You may not eat the weird food John did. But the message is the same. His attitude about humility should be the same that we have. His preaching about Jesus should be the same that we have. And guys, his presenting the gospel to people and presenting it to them individually, that should be the same message that we have. It's amazing to me. There's a lot of different things, unique, weird things about John. But when you read this thing, you know what you think? Nothing has changed. Different society different culture, all that. We live in 2024, but you know what? Nothing's changed. It's all the same, guys. Hey, guys, let's make sure we're faithful to the end like John was. All right, let's bow our heads and close.